This is the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Now, here's your host, TJ Reeves. Happy Victory Monday. Happy Playoff Victory Monday. We are back in, and how good does it sound to say NFC Wildcard Weekend Playoff Victory for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers once again over the Philadelphia Eagles. 31-15 on Sunday at Raymond James Stadium to advance to the upcoming divisional round of the playoffs this week. Glad to be with you. Glad to say that is five consecutive postseason wins now for the Buccaneers dating back to a year ago. Postseason Buccaneer football is suddenly becoming exciting. It's becoming contagious. And you can't tell me if you're a Buccaneer fan that you weren't beaming, you weren't pumped, you weren't ready to go, and then you watched your Tampa Bay Buccaneers get out to a 31-0 lead on the once rival Philadelphia Eagles, but it's not really a rivalry anymore, Eagle fan, if you can't ever beat the Buccaneers in a game. It's only a rivalry if you win some of the time. So if you go back to Jameis Winston putting five touchdown passes on Chip Kelly's Eagles in 2015, you go back to Fitzmagic throwing for 400 yards in the home opener 2018 in an easy win, you go back to earlier this year in Thursday Night Football and a win for Tom Brady and company, in Philly, and now you go to Sunday. Uh, as I as I keep saying to people off the air, we figuratively now own the Eagles' house. We own the title to their car. We own their firstborn. We own uh, their last will and testament. Uh, th- uh, this is sweet. If you've been around this area and you know how Eagle fan uh, often likes to tout this and that, and I was around some of it even on Saturday and before the game yesterday, and I'm like, guys. You have nothing on the Buccaneers. You go back to closing down Veterans Stadium and Rondé Barber's iconic 92-yard interception return to go to the Super Bowl against the Eagles. And for all time, the last memory for an Eagle fan is Rondé Barber running to the end zone for the loss. You go to the first ever game at the new stadium at what's now Lincoln Financial Field on Monday Night Football the following year with the Bucks as the defending champs who shut out the Eagles and Donovan McNabb that night. So the first ever game in the new stadium is a Buccaneer win. The Eagles and their fans have nothing, nothing to be able to say to the Buccaneers and their fans at this point, especially after the greatest of all time put it on them, especially after the Buccaneer defense welcome back Levante David, Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul put it on the Eagles for another playoff win. This franchise went 44 years with a total of seven playoff wins. The first one, by the way, as we well documented, I came against the Philadelphia Eagles in 1979, and it was great to see Ron Jaworski up in the press box yesterday. Love Jaws. have worked with Jaws in the past. Jaws used to be part of the Buccaneer preseason broadcast, and I worked on those preseason television broadcasts in the early 2000s. Uh, Jaws, a Philadelphia icon, obviously an ESPN and National Football League icon, NFL films, etc., with his analysis. Former Eagles Super Bowl quarterback, Got all the way to the Super Bowl a year after the Buccaneers beat them in 1979. It was great to see Jaws, and we were reminiscing about Leroy Selman sacking him three times. He didn't look on that fondly. How hot it was at Old Tampa Stadium. Doug Williams, the orange uniforms, and the Bucs' first ever playoff game was a playoff win in year number four against the Eagles. Against the Eagles. So it was great to see Jaws yesterday uh, and reminisce about that. But uh, again, for this team... 
to have won that playoff game, to have then had to wait 14 years, uh, well, actually 18 total years, but 14 years in between playoff appearances to get another shot to win a playoff game. And finally, Tony Dungy's Buccaneers did win a playoff game in 1997 against the Detroit Lions for the second ever playoff win. Then two playoff wins in 1999, coming in those uh, two matchups um, that year for that playoff season. And then the uh, four wins, actually the three wins in the Super Bowl year of 2002. So you're talking about seven total playoff wins in the first 44 years of the franchise. It's been a long drought since winning uh, the Super Bowl in 02 and no playoff wins until last year. Some 17 years in between. And now to have five of them in a row, it is just fantastic on a Monday. So anyway, I am caught up in nostalgia. I am caught up in all the playoff victories. It is great to be back aboard on this podcast. And however you found us through the Buccaneers mobile app, Buccaneers.com, as we always say, we're here the day after Buccaneer games, recapping it on nothing but Bucks. So thank you for finding this. You can subscribe as well. Follow or subscribe on Apple Podcast, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe through the Buccaneer mobile app for the automatic notification, usually midday the day after games. And right now, we now know the Buccaneers are playing next Sunday. At the time I am releasing this podcast, we don't know the opponent because it will either be the L.A. Rams in a rematch from a game that the Rams won in September at SoFi Stadium earlier this year, or it will be the Arizona Cardinals if they upset the Rams in their third meeting tonight in the NFC wildcard playoff game. So that game is later tonight as the time that I'm taping this and we're releasing this. We don't know the winner, but the winner will be coming to Tampa. Thank you very much again, John Lynch and the 49ers, for beating the Rams on the final day of the regular season in the overtime. That gave the Buccaneers the number two seed, and we've been talking about this ever since. That guaranteed that a victory would enable the uh, the Buccaneers uh, to be the number two seed, and the Bucs defeated the Panthers while the Rams were losing, so now that would enable the Bucs to have a second playoff game at home. That playoff game is coming this Sunday on uh, the 23rd of January in the divisional round against that NFC West opponent, and it will be a three Eastern time game. So again, if you're listening to the podcast after Monday night, you already know, is that the Rams again, or is it the Cardinals who the Buccaneers uh, played in Bruce Arians' first season a couple of years ago against Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury and company. Did not play them last year or this year in the regular season. Buccaneers and Cardinals have never met in the postseason. Buccaneers and the Rams have met two times, once as the L.A. Rams winning the NFC title game 9-0 in that 79 year, and once in the, in the St. Louis, uh, what was the uh, TWA Dome, the Edward Jones Dome, I don't know what they call it now. The St. Louis Rams and Kurt Warner broke the Bucks' hearts in the 99 NFC Championship game with the 11-6 win. That's the only two meetings with the Ram franchise, one in L.A., one in St. Louis. Now they're back in L.A. if it is the L.A. Rams coming for this weekend. But that's more about the preview mode for later in the week. We are all about the recap mode and everything that happened on Sunday, all the anticipation of having a full stadium. Because bear in mind, the Buccaneers played three road playoff games last year, had very few fans, had no fans at the game in Washington, had less than 5,000 fans at the game in New Orleans because of all the COVID-19 protocols and all of the local health officials denying entry of fans, etc. 
And then in the Green Bay situation, they were only supposed to have around 12,000, something like that at the game, and it actually ended up being closer to 20,000 people that they let in. Uh, Well, you know, what COVID guidelines and health restrictions? The Packers have a home playoff game, so they tried to play up the home field advantage and just let more people in and let them bang on the aluminum uh, seats with signs and whatever, and the Bucs still won the NFC title game. My point is, you played three road playoff games a year ago with no, no home crowd, no home field advantage for them or really for anybody. And then in the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl uh, only had 25,000, roughly about a quarter of the capacity, about two-fifths of the capacity of Raymond James Stadium. And only a few thousand of that was Buccaneer fans that could get their hands on the tickets. So it was not the same. You had some cheering in that game, not the same as what we saw on Sunday. And I will tell you, at field level, it was amped. It was loud. The, the battle flags were being waved, and the Buccaneers gave everybody that was in Buccaneer colors something to cheer about from the jump, from the opening drive and the opening touchdown that we're going to play on the highlights. And then as the lead built to 14-0, 17-0, second half 24-0, the party was on. And it was just great to see again. It was it was essentially reliving the 2002 Super Bowl run. But again, only one of those games was at home. That was the 49ers game that was bonkers that year, going back to the Sapp, Brooks, Lynch, Rondé Barber, Mike Allstott, Brad Johnson, Joe Juravicious, Keenan McCardell, Hugo Joe, uh, Buccaneers, uh, with what they were able to do. There was only one one home playoff game. Remember that? They went to Philly. Hello, Philly fan. I loved Rondé Barber on the hype video, by the way, Buccaneers.com. I watched that thing like 18 times yesterday, and I kept showing it to people in the press box. Hey, Philly, it's Rondé again. <laughs> After the interception return uh, for the Eagle fans. But uh, keep in mind, uh, the the Eagles game and the NFC title game on the road, and then the neutral side in San Diego with more Raider fans than Buccaneer fans able to get their hands on tickets still didn't matter for the blowout win in San Diego. So this atmosphere, it was, it was really the first time uh, for a home playoff game since January of 08. I remember that day against the Giants. There were some Giants fans in the stadium, but it was a lot of Buccaneer fans, and it was loud. But, man, this just seemed, because there was so much more to cheer about, so much louder in this situation on uh, Sunday. So uh, we're going to relive it with highlights. We've got post-game interviews. You're going to hear from Bruce Arians. You're going to hear from Mike Evans. Uh, you're going to hear from Tom Brady, obviously, off of this. One big play after another. And Brady just continues to stack the playoff accolades on top of the playoff accolades. And and by the way, Bruce Arians as a postseason coach continues to win game after game after game as he did previously in Arizona, as he did before that as the head coach even with the Indianapolis Colts when he was filling in for Chuck Pagano and won a playoff game that year. Just give a lot of credit where it is due. To what this uh, coaching staff has been able to do, they were ready to go. I-, I kept saying before we get to the highlights, you you would love for Eagle fan to fantasize that they had some kind of advantage. But first of all, you're coming in as the road team. You're coming in with the first-year coach, Nick Sirianni, who has absolutely no clue about playoff football, how to coach playoff football as a head coach, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's not advantage Bruce Arians and Todd Bowles and Byron Leftwich, who just did this a year ago together and won the Super Bowl. You've got Jalen Hurts coming in who's never quarterbacked an NFL playoff game, and he's doing it on the road. And he's going against the greatest of all time, the greatest postseason quarterback of all time. We'll get into those numbers in a few minutes. We will have all of the accolades of Tom Brady, but Hurts going against Tom Brady? Please! It's Godzilla against an ant pile. 
uh, for this game on Sunday. And it was it was just uh, men and boys a lot of the time in, in that game. I know the Eagles got a couple of touchdowns that meant absolutely nothing in the fourth quarter, including the last one that meant absolutely nothing. Nothing in terms of the final outcome, nothing in terms of the Vegas spread, nothing in terms of anything. This game was a 31 nothing blowout, a one-sided blowout by the Buccaneers. Uh, and there was still some time left on the clock in the fourth quarter for the Eagles to dress it up. Fine. No one will remember that or care. They will remember that the Buccaneers rolled and romped over the Eagles and moved on to the divisional round and are hopefully on to bigger things and bigger goals. And let's get into it. Let's get into everything that happened on Sunday with the highlights. You love this, courtesy of Buccaneers Radio. Good to have Mean Gene Deckerhoff and Dave Moore both back in the broadcast booth after they missed last week's regular season finale with the COVID-19 protocols and uh, having tested positive and not being able to be with us. So they were back. They were healthy. They were ready to go. The Bucs were ready to go. The Eagles won the toss, deferred the, the, the choice to the second half. The Bucs took the ball and immediately marched right on Philadelphia as uh, they were able to put together a 75-yard drive right away. Tom Brady mixing uh, the run with Keyshawn Vaughn, mixing the pass to guys like Mike Evans, uh, to Tyler Johnson, etc., and moved right into scoring range and put seven on the board immediately. Perriman is a slot receiver. Here's the staff. Feed the ball. The run up the gut. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Giovanni Bernard. Go, Gio Bernard. Right up the gut, fire the cannons, Buxley, six good up. Giovanni Bernard, uh, off of injured reserve with the injured hip and ankle, activated for this game, and the veteran gets the first touchdown of the first postseason game for the 2021 season, scoring from two yards out, capping the 15-play drive, and you could just sense right then, okay, this this is not the whole game, but this is exactly what you wanted. The fast start, the crowd in the game, put the pressure on the Eagles. Immediately, Philadelphia goes uh, one first down, but basically shut down and punts the ball and gives the ball right back to the Buccaneers. And you've got the momentum, you've got the crowd on your side. I know there was an exchange of punts after that, but after that exchange of punts is when the Buccaneers really got rolling again, including uh, the Buccaneers uh, a- able to make some plays on offense. Again, they move into scoring range, got a nice screen pass to Cameron Brait to set them up. And then here they punch it in again late first quarter to up the lead. On the setback from the one-yard line. Vaughn runs to the left, finds daylight, touchdown Tampa Bay! Fire the cannons! Yeah, the inside run plays were working. There's no doubt about that as the Buccaneers hammer in an 11-play drive uh, and 70 yards in this one for a 14-0 lead. Now, the Bucs had suffered the the injuries to the offensive line. Tristan Wirfs earlier in the game went out with what we were told is an ankle injury. This situation will be evaluated more. He was not able to play. The veteran Josh Wells was filling in for several drives in the first half while they evaluated Wirfs. On that touchdown by Vaughn, Ryan Jensen, the center, got his left leg and knee rolled up on. He was in agony on the field, but he's a gamer. Even though he came out of the game and got evaluated, he actually came back in the game and really didn't miss a snap. Later on in the second quarter, as the Bucs put together another scoring drive, their third straight. So the injuries mounting up on the offensive line. Again, this is a team that's been so injured. I'm not making excuses. This is the truth. So injured in the secondary. So injured in the receiving core. Now it hit the offensive line Sunday. But they continue to persevere on and continue to produce at a very high level, score tons of points, 
and the 14-0 lead, you just you sense that you could turn up the defense to make plays, including the Bucks making some plays early on, stopping the read option, including right here. Birch kicks the leg of the shotgun, takes the snap, feeds the ball. They will run to the near side. Tackle in the backfield. What a great play. Jordan what Whitehead. a great play. Jordan Whitehead. Jordan Whitehead, the safety, reading the toss pitch and a loss of five. How good has Jordan Whitehead been down the stretch of the season? Tackles for losses, big hits. We love the force with which he is playing. He makes that big hit. And then the Buccaneers also getting after Jalen Hurts late in the first half as well with the pass rush. They send Wes Watkins to the wide to the right, dropping Hurts, pressure coming, Hurts under pressure. He's going to be sacked for the second time today. Wrapped up and dropped for a loss of seven or eight. Yeah, and that was Jr. Antoine Winfield Jr. Again, Todd Bowles mixing the blitz up and doing a fantastic job of disguising things. Give, give credit where it is due. Uh, here to his game plans, and he can do so much more with a healthier secondary. I know Sean Murphy Bunting was inactive with the hamstring tweak that he suffered at the end of the Panthers game, but give credit with Carlton Davis in there as a press cover corner with Jamel Dean in there and the mix of the other guys that you have, whether it's Dee Delaney, Ross Cockrell, Pierre Desir, Mike Edwards, whoever you want to go to as the nickel corner, as the third corner, or even spelling one of the other guys. The Bucs have depth there in the secondary, and it changes the coverages they can play, and it helps the pass rush, and it helps stymie the Eagles. So at this stage of the game, the Buccaneers drove inside the 10-yard line again and had opportunity to maybe put this game away with another touchdown right there in the first half if they could do it. Mike Evans, though, couldn't come up with the ball on first and goal. They tackled Giovanni Bernard on a jet sweep. Backing the Bucks up to like third and goal from around the 10. Tom Brady then got pressured and elected, you know what, I'm just going to take the sack. Protect the field position, don't turn it over, take the field goal, to which the Bucks bang through with a Ryan Suckup 34-yarder. Now the game is 17 to nothing in favor of the Buccaneers. And give credit to the defense again. Just time and again in this game, they were ready. I know, I know the Eagles got a couple of read option runs and got around the end a couple of times, but by and large, the Buccaneers just making play after play, and they stuffed the Eagles and stop them on downs after they had put a drive together. Then the Bucs could not run the clock out at the end of the first half, so the Eagles got the ball back with about a minute and a half left, and they're trying to make a play at the end of the half. They move into scoring range, a potential touchdown, maybe at least a field goal, down 17-0, but a big play again from Todd Bowles' defense taking it away. Here's Kurtz dropping, dropping, looking. Looking toward the end zone, going to it's intercepted, it's intercepted, it's picked off at the goal line. Mike Edwards. Mike Edwards steps right in front of the receiver and makes the interception. Ball hung in the air a long time. Hurts got flushed to his left when he got his shoulders around and let this go. But it gave Mike Edwards time to step in front of Devontae Smith for the interception. Great break on the ball and a leaping play by Mike Edwards to come up with the interception. You'll hear his post-game interview here on Nothing But Bucks coming up on the podcast about making that play, his reaction to it, and that interception really sealed off a great first half, a 17-0 lead. And you just you sensed at that point that the Eagles were going to have to do heroic things to turn the game around. And you just don't see how with a first-year coach, an inexperienced quarterback, and on the road, that's going to happen against the veteran coaching staff and the veteran players. 
Just don't turn it over. Don't give them easy opportunities, and the Bucks were going to be fine. And Bruce Arians uh, stopped with me, Coach B.A., at halftime and basically said, got to stay on the gas here. Uh, he, he said, defensively, we got to be better on first down especially. And offensively, we've still got to put points on the board, and that's exactly what this team would do in the second half of the game. All right, so the... Uh, the Eagles are able to, uh, after they had to punt on their opening drive, again, the Buck defense locked in. The Eagles had to punt on the opening drive of the second half. After getting a couple of first downs, the defense played bend but don't break. Again, stopped them on a couple of occasions with the read option and the inside run, so they punt. The Buccaneers then can't get anything going after an initial uh, good gain on first down. They can't get anything going. They're going to have to punt the ball back. And then another key momentum swing right here in this moment as the Bucks punt it away. It's a good snap and sends one high into the air into the wind and fair catch signal for and may, Oh, it's dropped. It's dropped. It's loose. Diving for it. Did the Bucks come up with it? Did the Bucks come up with it? I think we did. And Scotty Miller made the, made the tackle as the ball was getting there. And you can see the refs just say it's Bucks ball. That's a big play. Scotty Miller. Scotty Miller got a hand in there to help knock the ball away from the Eagle returner. Ross Cockrell is the Buccaneer that fell on the muff punt. Again, the Eagles just at this point demoralized, self-destruct mode. Anything that they seemed to try to do to come back in the game wasn't going to work. And the Buccaneers wasted no time moving into scoring range uh, as they quickly get a couple of uh, quick passes, including one to Mike Evans to get them down into range, go down inside the five-yard line, and then the dynamic duo strikes again on this goal line play. They bring it a jumbo. They got steady in there as a blocking back. Here's the snap, feed the ball, play action, fake thousand with a caught ball, easy touchdown, easy touchdown, Gronkowski. Love Mean Gene on the calls. Love Rob Gronkowski and what he has meant coming down the stretch here with pass catching capability. How is he that wide open on that touchdown? Uh, as Gronkowski was alone in these social distancing times, it was like he was quarantined in the end zone. That's Gronk's 15th career postseason touchdown, by the way. Most of those with New England, but he's now had a few with the Buccaneers as well, including two in the Super Bowl last year with the Chiefs. Rob Gronkowski now trails only Jerry Rice. Hello. In the NFL annals and the playoff record book, only Jerry Rice has more postseason touchdowns than Gronk. Rice with 22, Gronk with 15 and counting. I don't know that he can get to Jerry Rice's record, but it's sure fun watching this right now and watching them try. Tom Brady, by the way, continues to build on his all-time postseason touchdown passing record that he continues with as he threw two more on Sunday and now has 84 of them all time in the postseason. The numbers are just bonkers. They're just berserk. And the most important numbers of 24-0 meant Philadelphia is doomed. With the time taken off the clock, with the fact at this point that the Eagles are down by 24 points on the road, you're not going to come back on Brady and the Bucks from that. You could maybe have come back from the 17-0 halftime deficit if you had done something at the beginning of the third quarter, just not meant to be. Oh, and then the Buccaneer defense cranks things back up here with Hurts looking over the middle. Welcome back, Shaq Barrett. The line of scrimmage, the Philadelphia 46. Hurts takes the snap and looks upfield. Delay blitz picked up. Hurts flush. Throws the ball upfield. It is bad. It's intercepted. Picked off at the 50. Outside the numbers, the Buccaneers. 
It is Shaq Barrett. Will Barrett. Barrett still running inside the 35. Shaq Barrett tips it in the sky and picks it off. And the Bucks are in business. Leaping interception. How good did that look? Tip it up to himself, and he's even running around after the play. The knee feeling very good for Shaq Barrett. Another takeaway for the Bucks. Their third on the day, and this was the end. This was where the Bucks put the hammer on the Eagles, the dagger in them right after that interception. Byron Leftwich, Tom Brady, Bruce, uh, Bruce Arians, they have that mentality. Go on the quick change for the jugular. Go for the big play and end it, and the Bucks were looking up top again for Mike Evans. Here's the play, dropping to throw Brady, looks toward the end zone, throws, caught ball, Evans, she's got a Tampa Bay touchdown, does a somersault, and the Bucks put the dagger in the heart of the Eagles. Evans holds it in, and uh, what more can you say as, as he is able to uh, haul in the 36-yard touchdown on the deep shot down the sideline and a front flip that you'll hear him talking about coming up as Gene and Dave called it on Buccaneers Radio. Uh, Mike Evans continues to ascend as he went over 100 yards receiving the second time in his career with a 100-yard receiving postseason game. Going back to a year ago in the Washington football team game, the first postseason game that he had played in. And uh, give credit where it's due. Again, wipeout. 31-0, just run the clock. The game is over. The Eagles are demoralized and beaten. Again, give all the credit to the Buccaneers for having done this and, and having put the pressure on. Um, on all avenues, on all fronts, offensively, defensively, special teams, flipping the field position, Bradley Pinion with a couple of deep punts over the over the Eagle punt returner Rieger's head a couple of times. They got the fumble return on the uh, the fumble recovery on the punt. Special teams a big key. The Buccaneers played cleanly throughout this game. I know the Eagles got a couple of fourth quarter touchdowns. It's not even worth giving you highlights about. This game was over with. The Bucs in particular in the final five, six minutes were playing loose defense. Let the Eagles run the clock. The game is 31-7. It doesn't matter to us ultimately if they're able to score as long as they're taking four or five minutes off the clock. And the Buccaneers were even driving maybe for one more score, trying to run the clock out themselves. Could have maybe taken the field goal, elected instead to go for it on on fourth down, deep in Eagle territory, try to get one more first down and kneel on the ball with the Eagles out of timeouts. It didn't matter anyway. Buccaneers slam the door. It ends as a 16-point win at 31-15. You know, there was a point in time where it might have been the first shutout for the Buccaneers in playoff history. They have been shut out on their end previously, as I mentioned, by the Saint, by the uh, L.A. Rams in the 9 nothing NFC Championship game. But the Bucs were working on 31 nothing into the fourth quarter, and you're going to hear Mike Edwards talking about this in a second. The, trying to get the uh, get the shutout. It ends up 31-15. For a while, it was going to be the largest margin of victory ever in the playoffs, too, if it held up as 31-0. The Raiders' Super Bowl win is a 27-point uh, margin of victory. But in this case, it ends up being 16. 31-15, the win over the Philadelphia Eagles, and uh, yet another postseason win, five straight for this Buccaneer team. All right, let's go inside of the locker room. After the game is over, the Hooters postgame show on Buccaneers Radio, and you get to relive it here on the Nothing But Bucks podcast. Coach Bruce Arians smiling ear-to-ear with his team's performance and moving on to the divisional round. Pretty impressive performance here today. I know the Eagles got some points in the fourth quarter. What are you happiest with? Maybe a couple of things after this game. Yeah, I thought our special teams was outstanding. They were, they were really outstanding in this but Great coverage units, good kicking. Defensively for three quarters, we were outstanding. Other offensively, other than there was a little low there for a second, uh, you know, we had a couple injuries in the offensive line, but uh, 
overall, I thought it was a really good team performance. Whether it was the short passing of Tom Brady or the running of Keyshawn Vaughn, you got off to a great start scoring on your first three drives. Uh, just elaborate more on what was working so well at the beginning of the game, if you will. Yeah, we were in no huddle, and uh, Tom put us in the right play every time, and uh, it was very, very accurate and good protection. And uh, the only lull we had is when we didn't have the protection. Keyshawn Vaughn, a young man that continues to get better and better, he did a lot of that damage in the first half, including the touchdown. How did you think he played? Oh, he played outstanding, and you know, he's been waiting for his opportunity for a while now. And uh, we've all known how good he is. Fans don't know how good he is, but he's one hell of a back. This defense had the Eagles locked down. Mike Edwards, a big interception at the end of the first half. Then Shaq Barrett off the knee injury. Knee must have been feeling good to leap up and make that play and run after. Very yeah, opportunistic they, when, defense. When you look there. at the run after, you know he's healthy. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, getting turnovers, not turning the ball over on offense, that's a great key for success. Uh, a couple more. Mike Evans ends up with a 100-yard day. There was a lot made that he only had a couple of catches in the previous meeting, but Mike was making big play after big play, including the 36-yard touchdown. How did you think he played? Big, big game for Mike, and we knew it had to be, but uh, you know, Byron did a great job of scheming, getting him in positions where we could get him the ball. All right, on the injury front, you lost Tristan Wirfs early on in this game. He was able to come back late in the first half. What, if anything, can you tell us about that injury? Because you obviously now have yes. another playoff game it's, coming. It's an ankle sprain, and uh, we don't know the severity. He tried to come back. I knew it was going to work, but uh, Ryan Jensen bounced back from his ankle. So they're the only two guys right now, and hopefully uh, we can get them back. This is a very good feeling, uh, obviously, for this team. What was that locker room like just a little while ago? I, mean, I know a lot of it's business with you, but what was that like after a playoff win, if you would? Well, it's very happy locker room, very business-like locker room. I mean, the guys come in, they expect to win. And, uh, you know, but we're very, very happy, very, very joyous and uh, relax and see who we're going to play, when we're going to play next. That is a great segue. We don't know if it's the Cowboys. We don't know if it's the winner of the Monday night game. We know it cannot be San Francisco because if they win, they have to go to Green Bay. So now you just wait and see. And like you said, it may be Saturday. It could be Sunday. Yeah, we're waiting. We're breaking down about three different teams now as coaching staff. So uh, We'll wait and see, and we'll get a game plan. Let's let's, let's get it going again. And uh, man, the fans were great today. Let's be even better next week. How does five straight postseason wins sound, by the way? Sounds very good. It was loud. It was great to see, and the Buccaneers get the win to move on to next Sunday. Again, we'll talk more about the scenario and the game time and all of that in a few moments. You can't say enough about this coaching staff having this team ready, having reserve players ready. Because you had to go to a reserve offensive lineman in Josh Wells. We've seen reserve reserve receivers. We've seen reserve running backs. I mean, a bevy of running backs. Uh, Coach Todd McNair, shout out to him. Shout out to Byron Lefwich to get Giovanni Bernard ready to go. Keyshawn Vaughn's there. You didn't play Le'Veon Bell yesterday, but you're waiting for that opportunity. Can the team get Leonard Fournette and or Ronald Jones back? We don't know. You keep testing the depth. In the secondary, the depth has been ransacked. Uh, with all of the different injuries. But this team is now back reasonably healthy on defense, and I continue to say this. I will continue to repeat it leading up to this game at home this weekend. If the Bucks get some kind of defense with Tom Brady at the helm and don't turn the ball over on offense, look out, folks. Same thing we were saying a year ago. You get that kind of defense that we saw yesterday with Brady at the helm on a windy day where you weren't going to be throwing the aerial attack with lots of bombs anyway, Look out with what this team can do, and they and they did get it done. Uh, let's go back to our Hooters postgame show. Mike Evans, the 100-yard game, the second-half touchdown, and the win. Uh, we got the chance to catch up with him as uh, as things wrapped up on the Super Wild Card weekend. 
The back-breaking touchdown is the Mike Evans play in the second half on a 36-yard catch for the score, and the Bucks win 31-15, and Mike Evans stands here with us. The win is the most important thing. Yep. Tell me more about putting 60 minutes together and advancing. I mean, we did a great job. We prepared well all week. Uh, we had some key guys come back from injury. Uh, a lot of guys still down, and then the guys you know, stepped up and made plays. As we talked with Ali Marpet a moment ago, opening drive, 75 yards and a touchdown. It leads to 17 straight points on the first three possessions. How much momentum did you get from that opening drive? Oh, a lot. You know, scoring out the gate is huge. It gives our defense uh, confidence. It gives us confidence. I wish we could have had 21 points on the board if I could have made that play on the goal line. But, you know, we went to have 17 and 0. That's pretty good. You are able, uh, as an offense, to put enough on the board and then turn it over to the D, which was locking them down. This was complimentary football here yep. again in the playoffs, right? Absolutely. Defense played well. Special teams played well. Got us a turnover. Shout out my boy Scooter. Uh, that, was an <laughs> that was an unbelievable play by him. Um, and we just played complimentary football, and hopefully we can continue to do that. I saw the touchdown flip. Is that the first time as a Buccaneer you've done the flip? Have you ever done the flip before? That was a first time flip. in my career. And I <laughs> I probably won't do it again unless I absolutely have to. Okay. Because it was unnecessary. I probably shouldn't have did that. But you did it, and it will be on the highlights tonight. And one more fun one. Now you sit back, and we wonder who it's going to be. Yep. We know it cannot be San Francisco. It's either Dallas or the winner of Monday night. But this is a good feeling. Sit back and figure out who it is, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and hopefully, whoever we play, we got to come with it because it doesn't get any easier. No doubt. Congratulations. Great playing. Thank you. No, man. Thank you. Love that front flip. He plays with so much enthusiasm. And again, without his running buddy, uh, Chris Godwin, out for the year with the uh, the knee injury. And by the way, let me make mention of this too. Mike Mike's accolades, uh, as we mentioned, he's moving up the ranks. Uh, that was his third postseason touchdown, uh, by the way, which has him now right in the running. Actually, he's now tied for the franchise record. He and Rob Gronkowski with three postseason touchdowns. That has it evened up as the franchise record in front of a lot of other guys that have two of them. Um, so Mike did well. He scored. I want to say something else, though, here, too. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, on more than one occasion, were going at Buccaneer receivers again in their legs and their knees. On two different occasions, they went at Rob Gronkowski's knees after catches. One of them, he's being stood up, and an Eagle guy's going low at his legs uh, with this. I mean, the Godwin play, again, is a dirty hit by the New Orleans St. P.J. Williams going right at his knee and putting him out for the rest of the year. The NFL needs to take a stronger look at this from a player safety standpoint and imposing fines and even game suspensions if it is obvious you're diving at a defenseless receiver's knees. And there's a couple of highlights that are out there on the internet right now where you watch Gronk being stood up on a catch in the second half and you got an Eagle DB going right at his knee while being stood up that has nothing to do with football, tackling, or part of the game. So that should be legislated as well. And by the way, there was another play later on in the game where the Eagles had scored and Jalen Darden's running the kickoff back. He gets tackled. He's on a knee. And there's clearly an Eagle who takes a step with Darden on his knee and lowers his head and rams, and rams Jalen Darden right in the head and in the chest. And there's no flag for that. And there's no review by New York for that, for a possible ejection. What is up with that, too, to get these things straightened out? So anyway, player safety should be at the forefront here, and that was some dirty stuff. But but again, the most important thing is the Eagles can't beat the Buccaneers right now. Silence 
from up in Philly way. And there were a few thousand Eagle fans there, nowhere near what were there for the Buffalo Bills home game where the Bills descended uh, down here. And we've seen some other fans, whether it's the Steelers or the Packers, have a bunch of fans in Raymond James Stadium in recent years. The Eagles had nothing like that yesterday. And the best part is they cleared out in the fourth quarter with the game 31-0. You could tell with the empty seats everywhere on the east side of the stadium where the Eagle fans had been, they're gone. They're headed for the exits, the parking lot, dejected. And it's so silly that a great portion of them live in the Tampa Bay area. And a lot of them root for the Buccaneers as well uh, throughout the year. I had a a great uh, Buccaneer fan. I'll shout out to Brian, my Buccaneer fan. He said, I've got an Eagles guy, supposedly about three seats down from me. He's got an Eagles jersey and a Buccaneer hat on. That kind of sums up a lot of what was in the crowd. Uh, that's for sure. But the Eagles can't make a peep. Let's continue with our post-game interviews on the Hooters post-game show. Mike Edwards, off of that interception in the first half, he was making plays in the secondary, and he joined us as well. All right, let's begin with the interception, the play at the end of the first half that you made as Jalen Hurts was firing for the end zone. Describe what you saw and what you did. Yeah, we was actually in man coverage, and I was a uh, free safety, high safety, you know, just scanning the quarterback. And... Um, I kind of just seen him uh, scramble out the pocket and come in my way. So I kind of just read the quarterback and just jumped and, uh, you know, made a good play. If you remember, I talked to you, it seems like it was so long ago, after the two interceptions against Atlanta for the two touchdowns. But this is always a fun question. In that moment, when the ball's up in the air like that, does everything go quiet? Are you thinking anything? Are you just reacting? How does it work? I'm just thinking, get the ball. I mean, I've always been like that. I always try to, you know, force. Habits on, you know, getting the ball, taking the ball away uh, as much as possible, as best I can. And uh, when the ball is in the air, I feel like I'm the guy that needs to get it. Next man up has been the philosophy of this defense. There's no doubt. You've been part of that. But today, you welcome back Levante David, Shaq Barrett, and Jason Pierre-Paul off of injury for a playoff game. What did that do? Not only today, but this week in practice, Mm -hmm. meeting room or whatever, what did that do for this defense? A bunch. Uh, Having those guys out there, you know, veteran guys, uh, they bring the energy in the room, bring the energy on the field. Uh, So it's definitely great having those guys back out there and knowing those guys out there playing with us. It brings a spark to our defense. I know you guys wanted the shutout. I could tell. I could see the body, oh, yeah. the body language, et cetera. It's 31 nothing into the fourth quarter. Still, you've got to be very happy as a defense with the way this D played for much of this game today, right? Yeah, I'm happy with it, but uh, not satisfied because uh, we could play much better. Uh, like you said, we wanted that shutout, and we could have got it done, but uh, I feel like we kind of uh, took a step off, off the gas pedal a little bit uh, and let them score. But uh, I feel like we do better next week. Uh, preparing this week would be uh, very good. So. Uh, get it right next week. So one thing that has been different, obviously you had some fans at the Super Bowl, but the previous three games were all on the road. Today you were in front of a loud, raucous Buccaneer crowd for a playoff game. Mike, what was that like? Crazy. Uh, like you said, Super Bowl was real nice. Uh, they, it was loud for that game, but uh, first playoff game, uh, psh, it was great. It was a great feeling. Uh, like you said, that was my first home playoff game besides the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I, I guess we call that a home game, but uh uh, I love it. The fans, it was great. I hope they, hopefully they come out even louder next week. Defense had a couple of takeaways. Special teams a takeaway. Buccaneers fired in all directions when everything was necessary. So give credit where it is due uh, to this team. Uh, as things wound down late Saturday, or <clears throat> as things wound down late Sunday afternoon, Tom Brady also met with the media. Let's hear from the greatest of all time, yet another postseason win. The accolades continue uh, for him, and he discussed getting a victory over the Eagles and what it means now moving forward. 
Yeah, we've, uh, you know, just trying to figure out a way to move the ball down the field and score some points. I thought we did a good job in a couple of those areas. Um, we ran the ball really well. Um, line played great. Receivers played great. Tight ends played great. So used a lot of different people and um, everyone got in there, made some plays to help the team win. Defense played great. Special teams was amazing. So we're going to need it again next week. It only gets tougher from here. Tom, I know you'd love to have everybody back on offense, but to see the guys come back on defense, get some turnovers for you, Shaq Barrett with the interception, how how advantageous was that today? That was great. I mean, that's what we need. So it's that time of year where the margin of error is really slim. And uh, my team was 7-2 and two in their last nine games, playing really well. And uh, we got off to a really good start, um, took kind of a commanding lead. And then glad we finished the way we did. Um, wish we'd have had that fourth down play, but um, – you know, we did a lot of things well. How important was it to, to start the game the way you did, to go down the field, to get the touchdown, to kind of set the tone and, and take control of the game from the outset? I think it's always important to try to get the lead. And, um, you know, we've done a decent job with that at times. Um, you know, we've clawed our way back, too. So I think it's finding different ways to win is really good, really important. Um, I'd love to always start fast like that and have a lead like that. Um, so it was a, a good way for us to start the game. We're going to try to make it happen again next week, whoever we play. Tom, it's no secret you've got to rely on Mike Evans down the stretch here, and he just keeps delivering for you. What's it like to, to have that known commodity out there, that big play guy that's just going to show up every week? And, and if you can, comment on his game specifically today. Uh, Mike played great. Uh, just a great effort by him. Always can count on him. Dependable, tough, made some huge catches for us. So he's just uh, he's an amazing player, and he's just doing great stuff for us. Always comes through. He's a great red area target, great on third down. Um, used him a lot of different ways today, so glad he uh, had such a productive day. He's an amazing player. Hey, Tom, off the uh, turnover forced by Scotty Miller, you guys converted that into a touchdown. How important was it to get that score there and gain a uh, regain momentum? That was a big play. Uh, it was great for us to be able to do that. And, uh, I mean, you got to take advantage of them when you get them. And we, we, we did, for the most part, a couple times we didn't. But, um, you know, it was tough conditions out there, kind of favored – more of a running game with the with the wind, the way that kind of played a factor. But, um, you know, we found a way to kind of play play well against a, a really good football team. Hey, Tom, congratulations on the win. Thank you. Um, want, want to get your thoughts on the running back situation. Uh, Keyshawn Vaughn and Gio Bernard combined for almost 100 yards rushing, another 50 yards uh, receiving. What does that do in terms of um, – increasing your comfort level and what you've, you've got in this, this uh, trying situation at running back. Yeah, I think they did a great job, you know, in coming in and, and neither of them played quite a bit. You know, Gio, we've had him in there at different times. He's been injured. He had a huge game today for us. Um, Keyshawn's taken advantage of his opportunity, done a great job. So, you know, when guys go down, other guys have to step in and do the best they could do, and they're counted on in big moments. And glad we can really count on those guys to do the job, uh, you know, with, with Lenny and Rojo out. The numbers are ridiculous, folks. Uh, 29 of 37 yesterday, 271 yards, two more touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Brady is, has now long, long built an insurmountable lead on playoff yardage. He's got over 12,000 yards passing in his postseason career. I know they play more postseason games now than what they used to do in the 70s, the 80s, etc. But Tom Brady's 5,000 yards in front of this list. Peyton Manning, he's 5,000 yards in front of. Brett Farvey, 7,000 yards in front of. And those guys are obviously retired. He's also 7,000 yards in front of Joe Montana. 
and Ben Roethlisberger played last night, and Roethlisberger got to uh, the 6,000-yard mark, but he's likely going to retire. Nobody's getting near 12,000 playoff yards anytime soon. Not going to happen maybe in our lifetimes. Tom Brady now, with postseason touchdowns number 83 and 84, is uh, almost 40 touchdowns, 40 postseason touchdowns in front of Joe Montana. Aaron Rodgers, obviously still active, has 45 of them and is playing this coming weekend. But Brady is 40 in front of the next active guy. It is crazy what he has done with all of the accolades at 44 years of age. I can't say enough about what a thrill it is to watch this guy operate and the confidence level that you have. Again, Gronk only trails Jerry Rice, 15 postseason touchdowns, Jerry Rice with 22. Rob Gronkowski now with 1,300 receiving yards. He's fourth on the all-time list. He passed Cliff Branch, Raiders Hall of Famer. Michael Irvin is next. Michael Irvin is 11 yards only in front of Gronkowski, another Hall of Famer. So Gronk stands to be number three on the all-time postseason list. His former teammate Julian Edelman is at 1,442 yards. If Gronk plays a couple of games here, second on the all-time list is within reach on postseason receiving yards. And I know they play more games now. Jerry Rice still has the standard at 2,245 postseason yards. Incredible. And Jerry played far fewer games than Gronk, far fewer games than any of these modern guys play in the postseason. And he's got 2,200 receiving yards from it. It's incredible. But Gronk right there in that company as a tight end. Uh, Give credit again to him. Give credit to uh, this Buccaneer team for the performance they had. You're not home free. There's a long way to go, obviously, and that will start with the divisional round this weekend. All right, let me set the table one more time. At the time we're releasing the podcast, we don't know the opponent. We do know that it is a Sunday game. It is 3 Eastern time, and we'll be on the air at 2 Eastern time on Buccaneers Radio with the coverage on the Buccaneers Radio Network, 98 Rock, the, the affiliates all over the air, all over Florida, wherever you can hear it. Hear it on the Buccaneers mobile app, especially if you're in West Central Florida or Central Florida, you can hear it on the Buccaneers mobile app. Hear it through SiriusXM. A lot of you are out of market listening to this podcast. I know that you love to relive all of it on Sunday. You can find the live radio calls of Gene, Dave, and me on Buccaneers Radio, Sirius XM, and on the TuneIn app, on the TuneIn Premium Service. You can hear the live calls as it happens. Uh, there, there's a couple of more ways. Buccaneers.com and the uh, and the Buccaneers mobile app also have it if you're in West Central Florida and Central Florida. So there's the ways to hear it. But you can always relive it right here on Nothing But Bucks after the playoff game coming on Sunday. Again, the Rams and the Cardinals play for the third time coming on Monday night in Los Angeles. The Buccaneers get the winner of that game in the divisional round upcoming. We know it's Green Bay, San Francisco playing in the other NFC divisional playoff on Saturday. And if the 49ers somehow, someway, wasn't it a crazy finish with the Cowboys? The 49ers pull it out and win another dramatic game. How much do they have left in the tank, in the emotional bucket? They're beat up physically. They lost Nick Bosa in the game. They've got injured running backs. They've got injured offensive linemen. Can the 49ers do it one more time in Green Bay, pull a shocker on the road? And if they do, if they do Saturday, the Buccaneers are obviously in position to win the game against either the Cardinals or the Rams and then host the NFC title game. A 49er upset means the Buccaneers host the NFC title game with a with a win. How wild would that be? 
How crazy would that be? Buccaneers have not hosted an NFC title game since I keep mentioning that they lost to the Rams. They're very good, though, in the revenge mode. Got revenge on the Eagles now more than once for postseason stuff. Got revenge last year on the Saints, on the Packers uh, for previous postseason stuff. Got revenge on the Chiefs for regular season stuff. Get another crack at the Rams to beat them not only for this year, but the 9-0 shutout and then have a chance to maybe beat San Francisco or Green Bay for the NFC title, but maybe be at home against the 49ers and have another shot at them and a shot to go to Super Bowl 56 in Los Angeles? Wow. Let's let it all play out. That's the great thing about postseason football, and Tom Brady was saying it this week, and it's obvious. Bruce Arians saying it as well. It is a one-game season. Go win the game in front of you, and let's see what else happens. See what else help happens. Go Johnny Lynch. Go Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo, and the 49ers first. And then let's see who the Bucks are playing after Monday night here again. You may know that answer. If you're listening later in the week, you do know that answer. Is it the Cardinals or the Rams? I don't know that right now. And that's the, uh, a situation where the Cardinals won in Los Angeles earlier this year, and then the Rams paid them back late in the year and won in the desert in Arizona. Let's see what happens. If it's the if it's the Rams, there's playoff history there, as I mentioned. If it's the Cardinals, the Bucks have never played the Cardinals in the playoffs, either as the St. Louis Cardinals as they were, or now as the Arizona Cardinals. That would be the first playoff meeting, and it would be against Bruce Arians' old team that he coached, and a lot of the coaches on this staff were with him in Arizona as coaches as well uh, when he was leading the Arizona Cardinals. Let's see what happens in that game. See who the opponent is. Again, it's going to be a blast to be with you on Buccaneers Radio with Gene and Dave on the call. Two o'clock is pregame from Raymond James Stadium. Just after three is the kickoff nationwide on NBC TV. They also have the Super Bowl. They have this playoff game this weekend with Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth, Michelle Tafoya calling it one more time from Raymond James Stadium. So NBC has the TV coverage. Turn the TV coverage down, though, and listen to it on Buccaneers Radio. I know a lot of you do that that are watching on TV and be out there in full force going bonkers for the Bucs and this matchup with the uh, NFC opponent, the NFC West opponent that they're going to be playing this weekend. For now, we're good. My thanks to Jason Berenger helping me with the highlights, helping me with the post-game interviews. Uh, Jeff Ryan's our director of broadcasting. Here we go, folks. Divisional round of the playoffs. Five-game win streak in the postseason on the line. Tom Brady, and Tom we trust. Tom Brady and that Buccaneer defense with a great chance at home to advance to the NFC title game. Let's see if that can happen. Take care of business. We will know Sunday before the game's ever played. Are you potentially hosting or are you going to the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field for the NFC title game with a win for the second straight year? That's the backdrop coming Sunday. We look forward to all of it unfolding. Again, we're on the air at 2 and then the kickoff just after 3 Eastern time on Buccaneers Radio coming on Sunday. For now, we're good. Again, subscribe to this podcast uh, via the Buccaneers mobile app, Apple, Spotify. We're here the day after the game to recap it. I believe we're talking about another Buccaneer postseason divisional win now, and we're going to be looking ahead to the NFC title game for the big recap mode. We look forward to all of that after next Sunday is done. Right here on Nothing But Bucks.